Hi, James. Hi, Josh. You alright? Yeah, I'm alright. I was just going to take a little a little sip of juice to wash down that chocolate Leibniz that I've just eaten. Ah, the good old chocolate, chocolate Leibniz. There's nothing better Dark for podcasters Leibniz. than yeah. chocolate. Chocolate. That really gets stuck start. in your throat while you're trying to speak. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? How are you doing, Josh? I'm alright, yeah. You alright? Yeah, not seeing you for a little little couple of weeks, sir. Uh, have you? No. <laughs> no? Have oh, not? Was it two weeks? Two weeks? Oh, it was two, oh, it's two weeks. Nothing, What's two it? weeks between friends? <laughs> hey. Josh made a great face then, but you couldn't enjoy it because... It's like a De Niro face. <laughs> Podcasting is an audio-only experience. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, what have you been up to? Have you watched any good films lately, Josh? I have, yeah. Um, I think we're going to cover this on the minisode, but Ooh, I, uh, spoilers. I watched uh, Vice. You watched Vice? Yeah. Caught up on a bit of uh, Oscar Oscar bait. Oh, what did you think of it? Just give me your little quick thoughts and we'll we'll expand later. I think overall it was, it was really good. It was, it was kind of... It was just direct to the point. A lot of good performances. I, well, was, well written. I, so, a friend of mine at work watched it and he said to me it was much more of a comedy than he was um, anticipating. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's written and directed by Adam McKay, what do you expect? Well, exactly. But then again, The Big Shot, which I watched uh, a couple of weeks back in preparation, preparation Pop- for watching... Preparation. Preparation for watching Vice uh, yeah. is another Adam McKay. And I didn't think that was that funny. It had its moments. Uh, it's pretty It's pretty funny. I mean, mm. I, what, I would say that Vice then? probably isn't as funny as The Big Shot. So if you didn't Ooh. find that funny, then you probably won't find this one. Well, I tell you what, Josh. I oh. watched a, I watched a Vice. I watched a, a Rachel Vice. A Rachel Vice. It's <laughs> a nice little link, though, actually. In the favorite. It's very good that. Yeah, was that, what was that? One? Ah, I um, I really enjoyed it because it's very, very weird, which is to be expected from a, a Yorgos Lathamos joint. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was much better than I expected it to be going in, and I already thought it was going to be pretty good. But if you're not into weird stuff it's, it won't be for you <laughs> if you're not into that weird thing yeah it's it's got a a duck called Horatio okay who is the town's fastest fastest duck and is credited as being Horatio the world's fastest duck that's weird yeah uh, so that's the favourite we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, next week yeah we're going to Oscars do... minisode yeah we're going to have a little Oscars minisode there might be a little because uh... we're not we're more, we've not seen all the films but I think no we've seen we can take some educated guesses, I think. Yeah, we've seen the majority of of the uh, the the main noms. Yeah, and we might do a little a little cheeky sweepstakes. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think we should do that. So stay tuned for that next yeah, week. We'll explain that. Spoilers. Anything else of note that you've watched? Uh, no, not really. Not really been to the. I mean, I've only been to the cinema to see Vice, but that's the first mm. time I've been in a while. I was supposed to see Elite Battle Angel tonight, but <laughs> can't even be bothered. No, didn't no. didn't float well, your boat. The thing is, it was in a. It was one of those limitless, like exclusive tickets. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'll just book it, and if I, if I de- if I end up going, then I end up going. But then, obviously, I didn't know if this was going ahead tonight, which it, mm. which it was. But so I thought, well, I'll just have it as a backup, just in case, because I thought like you might turn around and say, oh, we'll record later on. And wow, Josh, you make it sound like I'm some sort of flake. No, you're not a flake. <laughs> I'm just because we didn't actually sit on a night particularly. We said yeah. Monday possibly. Yeah. And then uh, I just I don't know. I just sat there today and I thought, nah. So you're not feeling Alita, Big Eyes, Battle Angel herself? Not really. I mean, he had a Q&A with Robert Rodriguez, which I was kind of like, yeah. What, like actually like... him here? No, no, it's oh. like, uh, I think it was like a video well, conference to around the world, like, kind of thing. Um, and you kind of watch it before the film starts. It was in mm. 3D as well. I'm just like, 
It just seems like a lot of effort for a film. Yeah. But it doesn't look that good. And it's out in like two days. I've heard quite um, quite fun things about it. I've yeah, heard I've heard it's kind of like a bit like a bit of fun. Like, yeah. But I don't know. It's just something about it that I kind of I'm not rushing to see it, so I kind of wasn't like, oh, let's get to it and watch it. You know. Yeah. Fair enough. I a couple more things that I watch. Yeah. I watched um, Unbreakable. Oh yeah. Which I've not watched for a good good few years now, probably a good 10 years or so uh-huh. since the last watch on Breakable. That uh-huh. film holds up and is yeah. much less... Um, so it's really... Unbreakable is a really weird film because it was a deconstruction of like the superhero genre yeah. before the superhero genre in film was really a thing. Yeah. So it's quite interesting watching it now knowing what's, what comes after it. Uh-huh. Iron Man, The Avengers, all that jazz. Yep. It's just so like refreshing to watch a superhero film that doesn't get bogged down in trying to be this action-filled, yeah. like thrill fest. Uh-huh. It's really like quiet, subdued, decent twist at the end, great performances. Well, I think that's the kind of the bonus of it being in the time that it came out. I think you know M Night was probably just he was you know, doing yeah. on his own indie thing, and he was like, yeah, I don't have that much of a budget, and he was just he wanted to do superhero film. He just wanted to yeah. do it on a bit of a budget. He was way ahead of his time as well yeah. with that, so yeah. I really enjoyed that. And then uh, yesterday, I watched the Fire Festival documentary. Have you watched or heard of this? Josh? I've not heard of it. I've I've heard of the Fire Festival. Mm. Was it what? What's the other name for it? That's that's the name for Is it. Is that the name for it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a one where there's like that has a name, but it's it. It doesn't mean what it is, but it this is, is like great, podcasting. great podcasting. Anyway, yeah, no, I haven't heard of it then. Uh, so the Fire Festival documentary is a documentary about the festival that was due to happen in 2017, I think it was. Okay. Uh, which was a music festival co-produced by Ja Rule. Yeah, exactly. Um, After random chat. So they, they bought, well, they bought, in inverted commas, uh, an island in the Bahamas. Stolen. Yeah. Um, which was once owned by Pablo Escobar. Well, I mean, the guy's in prison. Yeah, well, he's just, dead now, isn't he? Uh, dead. Yes, I yeah. think he is. Um, and yeah, anyway, this this festival, the tickets for it were going for like two and a half thousand pounds. It was playing. <laughs> Blink one eighty two. No, I wouldn't pay two and a half grand to see that. Um, Sorry. And it was billed as being this like full of influencers, trendy, cool people really good vibe you get your own villa and all this all this jazz and people got there and it was like a couple of tents no food no water (laughs) people started writing none of the acts showed up um and the documentary kind of goes into why that happened and like what a disaster it was it's really where's where's this available it's on netflix really yeah i'm gonna give this a watch sounds amazing yeah it's called i think it's called the fire festival the greatest festival that never happened or something like that (laughs) this sounds about right and it's becoming very uh memed on twitter at the moment Um, well like uh 21 savage (laughs) <laughs> yeah kind of like that breaking news way to date the podcast Josh <laughs> I've never seen any... yeah true yeah. well the people know we've so that, that news broke literally today <laughs> yeah today I mean yeah last week do you remember 21 Savage <laughs> remember two years ago when 21 Savage was deported to England <laughs> yeah that was funny though yeah it was great it's such a random story yeah um, so that's 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 a little yeah I'll give up. that a watch and yeah, that sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. If you're into documentaries in any way, my girlfriend's a massive documentary person. Um, uh-huh. She's, like, obsessed with anything even remotely documentary adjacent. They're probably watching a documentary downstairs, right? Yeah, now. probably. My, my girlfriend's been watching this Ted Bundy tapes thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's pretty big at the minute. I need to watch that actually. Yeah, it's not really it's not really my jam. You're not into that? No. Um I could I'd rather give it a miss. I've been playing a lot of uh, Civilization Six. Oh right, has that been, come out now? Yeah, I got I got it on my Switch. Nice. It's been taking up a lot of my time because it's nice. very addictive. Same with me with Assassin's Creed. Anyway, this was uh, what Josh and James have been up to podcast. <laughs> yeah, just tune in to next time. You might get actually some films. Uh, no, the There's reason... 10 minutes of time now. Yeah, thank you. We've got right. 15 minutes right. now. All right, Josh. Trying to con- oh, I'm going to try and com- compress Josh it. Josh is trying to... Yeah, Josh is trying to keep things uh, short and tight. Um, I'm going to get the notes up. Do you want to... say like something else then. Josh, this is a family-friendly podcast. All right. Um... Do you want to say what we're talking about today? Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, absolute blockbuster that is uh, Beauty and the Beast. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I'm really excited for this We're going to talk about one. the 27 reboot and the 1991 animated film. Um, and I, I don't know, this one This one kind of has a bit of a sweet spot for me. Because yeah. uh, I do love a bit of 1991 animation, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, well, so what what kind of relationship have you got with those like new classic Disney films? Well, I think like, well, being born in '94, I think that was probably the time that I would have been watching them. So I think anything's new, sort of like that thing. I mean, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too genned up on most of them. Like, I've, I've my, like my favorite ones, Tarzan. Tarzan's good. Yeah, and it, well, second favorite is Beauty and the Beast. But mm-hmm. around there, I've not really watched anything else. Like, I think that, that, wasn't that the time when Robin Hood came out. No, I think Ro- Robin Hood was, was way earlier. Oh no, it was like six. It was that yeah. 60s or something? Robin Hood was so, like sixties. Like, but this was like, like Mulan. I'm not really. Yeah, not Mulan, really seen that. Aladdin. Aladdin's yeah, not my really favorite. Big fan of that. Um, and Little Mermaid is the other one that's normally lumped in with those. Yeah, that's like eighty. Yeah, it was eighty nine, wasn't it? So yeah, I'm not really. I've I've seen them, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of them other three. I think Tarzan and Beauty and the Beast was probably the extent of my. Sort now, of like... uh, you you have a you have a sister. I do. Uh, was was she part of the reason you were like into like Beauty and the Beast slash Disney? No, not really. I mean, I think my mum and dad back? just maybe got it from a video shop or something. Well, that that's the classic, really, isn't it? So yeah. I was I was uh, an only child, and I was became like obsessed with Disney films. Being an only child pro- probably explains quite a lot about me, to be honest. So. Oh, that's this pretty is, dark. It's, it's getting deep. Um, <laughs> Got deep very quickly. You're all right. <laughs> yeah, fine, mate. This is just a way for me to, you know, it's like therapy to me. This. Like <laughs> um, so yeah, Disney films, particularly Aladdin. Um, Aladdin and Aristocats were sort of the two Disney films. That's another that was, big one that people seem to love. Yeah, I was really obsessed with them, as well as like The Lion King. Which I guess you would lump in with the, yeah, yeah. these that's, new that's classic that. Disney's. I can't believe I forgot that for a second. Yeah, Lion King and Toy Story were like my other two that I'd watch pretty much all of those on repeat for a long time. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast was like B tier Disney for me, so I wasn't like. It was like what? Abs- like B tier, so I had like my A tier, oh, right, which okay. were like the ones I'd watch all the time. This was like B tier, so I'd yeah. watch it occasionally when it was on, but I wasn't like in love with it. What kind of made me fall in love with it, and you you might agree with this, Josh, you might not. Um, was the Simpsons episode uh, where is he, oh, this is the thing though like just just to stop you there yeah go on I've noticed this like every time I talk to someone someone always mentions the Simpsons and I know it's because it's been going for years and they've mm. done everything but like anytime you talk to someone like are you having a conversation at work it's like oh what's that um, oh like you know you get you get, you get you know, do like a crossword or something yeah. and you'd be thinking of a word and they'll be like Oh yeah, it was in the Simpsons. That guy was in the Simpsons. Remember that episode where it's like blah blah blah, and they can rattle off the episode. Yeah. 
But they can't, I've, like, they can't actually name whatever The Simpsons was actually talking about. I always notice that people go, oh yeah, it was like in The Simpsons that I time. guess The Simpsons has been going for so yeah, long and it's covered I mean. so many things. That I, it's... I'm just not a huge fan of it. I don't know, like, people must have just watched it, like, wow. religiously. Well, so this in The Simpsons episode, um, Mr. Burns sings a version of Be My Guest called oh, right. okay. uh, Be My Vest because he tries to kidnap Santa's little helper and it's great and it's it's a really good sort of parody of uh, Be My Guest so that, that I got a little bit more of an affection from Beauty and the Beast from that um, but overall I, I like it I think it's a decent little it's quite quite short Josh are you alright there? yeah I'm just I'm just rejigging I need to sit back a bit but, so. yeah go on um, yeah so it's 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 one that I like, and I tell you what, rewatching it, I've been rewatching it today, um, and I was surprised that a how much I sort of vividly remembered it, and b how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it was it's just a fun. I think magical is one of the best ways to describe it. I think yeah. over a lot of the other Disney films, this is the one that most feels like magical. Yeah. It's because of the music as well. I think the, the music is brilliant. Um, it probably has. So like I said, Aladdin is like my guilty pleasure, but Beauty and the Beast from the the Hello song at the beginning through to Gaston's song, yeah, it, all of it is just like so memorable and yeah, it's it's, it's good. You know what? Do you, do you want to talk about it a little for a little second? Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll start off with the original. So that was in uh, nineteen ninety one. Hell yeah. Uh, so it was directed by Gary Truesdale and. Kirk Wise. Yeah, who, are, they, are they guys? Are they? Do we know them? Yeah, I believe they are. Yeah, they are men. Um, and they were first-time directors when they got signed on to this. So there was a couple of directors at first that got signed on. Um, you know, there was like one of them being uh, Richard Williams, and I think he was the one who he directed the animated se- animated sequences for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. So they they, they said they went to him and they said, obviously, you know, we'd like you to do this film. And yeah. He's like, yeah, but. He's like, well, I can't really do it at the moment because I'm tied to this other film. So you should go and like see my mate, who's a guy called Richard Purdom. Right. And he was just like a, you know, he was like a well-known sort of, you know, director at the time for mm. animation. Um, but I think like the initial script treatments for it and like the storyboards weren't didn't go down very well with uh, Disney. So I think they basically, I think the one of the CEOs came in and was like, right, scrap it. Mm. It's done. Like we're starting again. I think this was the point where Richard Purdom just went, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And then that paved the way for uh, Gary and uh, uh, Kirk. So they oh. came in and they were first time directors. They'd never actually directed anything before. Maybe there was like, a couple of sequences that they did at the Disneyland. Right, okay. Uh, I, was wondering, I was wondering how they sort of got the gig. Yeah, because they're not just rock up at Disney, but like, yeah. we, we haven't done anything. Here we go. But I think they directed some things at Epcot and things like that. Yeah. Um, so they were like, obviously, come over and work on this. Um, and they and they went on to uh, direct Punchback of Notch Door. Really? Yeah. So that's, that was their next. That was the next one that they. They're did. quite similar in tone, I guess. Those two. Films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, so that makes sense. I didn't realize it was quite that tumultuous leading up to like it coming out. I yeah, no. It was the quite production. The production actually, this film's quite actually. It's quite rocky actually. They, they spent a couple of obviously because they had all that production time early on. Yeah. And this was obviously like. I think in the 50s and the 70s, I'm sorry, the, thir- the 30s and the 50s, they tried to develop this film um, early on, but they couldn't They couldn't find a tone for it or get it going. Hmm. And this was like Walt Disney himself who was trying to bring it to the foreground. But then I think after the success of The Little Mermaid yeah, yeah. in 89, 
that's when they decided to bring it because they had the technology. Well, they had the technology in place mm. to make it sort of like, you know. Where did you. Um, so you watched it on tape for the first time? Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Which is what I watched it on as well. Yeah. There's something quite nostalgic about videotapes. I used to have like a big massive collection of all the Disney films yeah, on videotape. Yeah. A lot of people did, didn't they? Um, there is something about it. Yeah, it's. It's, I wonder if that's going to come back in the way that like vinyl records came back. I don't I think so. It. I think there's a bit of a difference because obviously I've heard people say that vinyl is better than uh, digital. Yeah. Which... Oh, here we go, Josh. I didn't know you were one of these guys. What? <laughs> these like vinyl digital guys. No, 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 no. no I mean, I've, <laughs> I've heard people say that vinyl is better than digital. I disagree. Hmm. I think digital is... You're never going to beat digital, really. No, because it sounds amazing. It's yeah. been remastered and you can hear every little nuance. Like a lot of people say that vinyl is better, but I think that comes from a place of like the nostalgia part of it, where yeah. they kind of expect to hear the crackle in the background, and I think that's that's kind of the thing with VHS. Like you see it and you think, oh, it takes me back that, but it's not better. No, it's just it just makes you think of better times. Yeah, and also like I remember putting in those tapes, and you always had that bit with like trailers <laughs> for the upcoming Disney yeah, films yeah. at the beginning, and that that for me is like really nostalgic. Yeah, because you couldn't be bothered even like. No, I never fast. I like some of them. Fine. So when you rewatched it, what what did you watch it on? Did you watch it on? Well, I had it on Blu-ray. You had it on Blu-ray. Um, and is Blu-ray that like a, a remastered version of it? Yeah. So I think there's been a couple of uh, Blu-ray versions. I bought the Blu-ray version. I think from, well, I don't know when it was released, but it was it was there was nothing done to it. It was just a straight, you know, up up res, yeah, uh, HD transfer. Because I watched it on Now TV, and I was yes. I was surprised at how, like, crystal clear it was. Yeah, it's not as crystal clear as the Blu-ray on Now TV because Now TV is a streaming service, oh. so there's always going to be sort of like. You've just ruined our sponsorship opportunities with Now TV, now Josh. I'm not, I'm not sponsoring Now TV. I mean, I like them, but nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like, uh, yeah, no, it's it's still crystal clear. It's not like, but that's the thing. Like, it's not like nineteen twenty by ten eighty. It's not ten eighty. Uh, HD. Yeah. Um, it's always going to have like a little bit of uh, streaming issues because obviously it's coming off the line. Um, but yeah, it's, it is crystal clear. Like the, the the transfer that they did was really good. Like on Blu-ray, it looks amazing. Yeah, I watched yeah. it in 3D Blu-ray a couple of, uh, like a while back. I used to have a 3D telly. Oof. And it was quite nice actually. The, I think animation is probably the best thing for 3D. Really? Well, yeah, I can kind of get that and some of it's like designed to Almost yeah, because you have the multiple planes and layers yeah, going through yeah. the film, and it, it does work in three D a lot, a, be- a lot better than it does in normal films. Um, so yeah, no, I thought I thought it looked amazing. I think there's a couple of other versions with like extended scenes, and you know, there's been a, there's been a couple of them with extra songs put in and things like that. And, yeah, um, but I didn't, I don't, I don't have that. I just had the original version. Um, but yeah, um, have you did what did you watch? So watched it on Now TV. Yeah, I watched it on Now TV. I thought it looked like brilliant. And I was trying to remember if it looked that good when it was out on tape or whether they'd done anything to it. So that's why I asked you if it had been remastered because I was trying to figure that out while Yeah, I, I think the only thing I could say about that is I was going to touch on this in a minute. I think, well, getting ahead of myself, basically they had this system called CAPS, mm. um, which they used for the film. And it's, um, it's it just basically stands for Computer Animation Production System. And it was developed by Pixar. So it's basically ah, what this, Pix- is this like in pre-Pixar days, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was when Pixar was really like in in, in the infant stage. Was that when it was like Steve Jobs' time? Yeah, kind of like they were just developing everything. Interesting. And they they used that on a couple of films afterwards, like um, you know Tarzan, Mulan, mm. uh, to get the because obviously if you, 
I think Tarzan is the prime example of where it reached its peak because yeah, where he's like swinging down yeah, the vines. The, and stuff. the environments in that are just yeah. absolutely incredible because the camera moves around. It's it's basically like a system that allows you to rig a camera in a virtual space, but still have the two D animation running in front of it. So it, it yeah. opens up like like layers in front of layers, so it looks three D almost. Yeah, that that makes sense then because that's that part of that and part of like from the very like first few little scenes where it's going through the the um, woods and stuff like that yeah all that kind of stuff yeah. is that interesting yeah I think it was used on the woods section a little tiny bit mm. and it was also it was just it was the ballroom scene is yeah the I was going to say the ball where it's, the camera spins around while they're dancing yeah and that was yeah. the first it was the first Disney animation film to use that system it was and good it still looks good to this day but I think that's what I was going to say The it's remastered obviously because it's, it's upscaled into HD it's transferred into HD but they got the original files of that cap system for the ballroom, and they mm. they basically like made them HD as well. Because right, obviously okay. it's just a computer program, so they just yeah, yeah they made all the textures higher quality, and then stuck it back into the film. So I think the version that's on Blu-ray has got all those textures like upresed. So I think that's why it looks better yeah, it looks than when cool. it came out because it it wouldn't have looked as good as that like back in the back day because it's like literally the only first time they'd used it. I'll tell you what doesn't look good, mate. What the blooming graphic at the very beginning of the film that says Beauty and the Beast. Did you, when you were rewatching, did you notice? Yeah. It looks like someone's designed it on like MS Paint yeah, in like much. the spare time yeah. when he was six years old. Well, this is the thing terrible. about this, this is the thing about this film, you hit the nail on the head. Their production schedule was, they squashed production into two years instead of four. Wow, that kind of makes sense then. So it was like really rushed towards the end. Like that yeah. ballroom scene, they had to get, there's a pretty good article online, um, that I can't sorry I can't remember even who who wrote, who wrote it or did Josh it. honestly I'm surprised you've done this much research so you no I read it I read it by accident the other day but it was it was interesting because this is where I first read about the cap system for that ballroom scene because I was like that ballroom scene looks incredible is that like 3D and then I looked it up and they did an interview with the guy who was brought in for that cap system right because he was like an expert on it um, and they brought him in like right at the last minute they were like look we need this we want to do this in 3D but it's you know we need it done like pretty mm. fast can we do it? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. We can do it. Yeah. Um, but they were going to do it for the ending as well, but because of that two year production schedule, you know, where he's fighting Gaston on the, on the castle roof. Yeah. Which they were is... going to do it all then. That is still quite a good scene though. Yeah. Right? yeah it's yeah. quite a thrilling scene. Yeah. I think they used it a little bit on the rain. I'm going to suspect that they did use oh, it on the rain. Because the, ra- the, the rain, because the rain on the, the rain on the last bit is far too good it's nice rain. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like some it of the kind best of, rain I've ever seen. It kind of sits in front of the two D. It's weird, mm. but um, that might that might just be two D. I'm not too sure. But yeah, they were going to use it on that whole section, and it just didn't work out in the end. They're, they're too much of a tight schedule. So interesting. Um, but yeah, it was um. So the film was written by Linda Wolverton. Good old Linda Wolverton. What uh, else is Linda Wolverton doing, Josh? Uh, I, I I have no idea. Okay, well that's that's great. That's not great. That's not great. I forgot to look up what hell she did. There's a lot of writers on this film, though. Yeah, well, I, that's what I was. People. I was just having a look because I wanted to check who did the music because obviously the music's so iconic and memorable. I wanted to like double check who that was, and it was Alan Alan Menken. Yeah, Alan, Alan Menken, and um, also it was. Josh with the notes. Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman. Yeah, yeah, Um, And I was just checking that, and I just read, which I'm very sad to read, that Alan Menken died, like, six months after um, this film came out. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, Which is... Oh, not, not Alan Menken, sorry. Howard Ashman died, like, six months after this film came yeah, out. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, no, yeah. it was. It um, was. I've, I've written that wrong on there. I think I got... 
No, it's all right. I just, I just, I just got it up then because I was, I was interested in seeing uh, what was going on with it. But yeah, and the film was like dedicated to him, and it was really, it's really sad. He died of like age-related um, complications. Yeah, he did, and that's why um, they brought the production from London to New York so that he could actually reach the studio and help them out. Because wow. he kind of didn't want to do it because obviously his health. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he just finished working up on. Uh, on another film and he, he the basically they said to him oh can you come and help us out and he was like oh, yeah well yeah because you, you're having problems like and, and and they just they said to him you know what we bring production to you so wow it was his last know. film uh, before really he died sad. he saw an uncut uh, version of it like right. a like a rough draft of it like a, um, a pre-edited version and yeah yeah he said he loved it but it got really good reviews that first cut mm. um so i think he was quite proud of it, it was it was a shame really yeah he did the they did the music for the Little Mermaid as well. Yeah, well that's what I was checking. What else Alan yeah. Menken had done, not Howard Ashman, and Alan Menken went on to do like Aladdin and all that jazz. So he did like the the new Disney stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've just checked them. There's like eleven screenwriters yeah. <laughs> on this yeah. film, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. It's unheard of as well because they had a screenwriter and it was the only. It was the first like animation film to ever have a screenwriter. Yeah, you mentioned that before, and I, that was. Something I'd never even... It's bizarre. Yeah. Like, because obviously now you wouldn't even like, dream of making a film without a screenwriter. Mm. Like, any type of film. Like, so was it just storyboarded it. before then? How did it How did it work when the... Well, I think they just... Uh, they, they obviously adapted the story from the original. Yeah. Which is a French uh, short story. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, they just they just drafted up storyboards and they developed the script to obviously fit in with, you know, their Disney, you know, kind of, you know, factory... Well, factory Disney film basically. Yeah, like, yeah. It has to have all this, um, all this jazz, and it has to be changed. And because the 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 original story is quite dark, actually. Um, there's a lot of differences between this story and the original, and like you know, the Beast is kind of like, you know, holding a captive, and he's we're not holding a captive. He's a little bit like holding a captive more than in this film. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, any any of those sort of classic children's stories are always yeah, horrific when dark. you go into them yeah. so that's like no surprise at all and this film is quite it's relatively dark yeah. and there are a lot of sort of um things that are hinted at uh, like throughout the film that make it seem a bit darker that yeah. that i guess the remake tries to address which we'll get onto yeah bit. i think in the original film there's a lot of kind of like conjecture about yeah. what actually happened and i think the the way they do that is, is they show kind of they show the like darker portraits around the castle. And yeah, it's kind of like opening a mystery to it. I mean, because cause the newer the the reboot has that opening sequence where it's kind of it, it kind of delves in a bit more about mm. what happened because like the the original one is just sort of like oh there was a prince and he got enchanted and and that's know, it and that's <laughs> it. But the the new one's kind of like it opens up and it's like it shows you how he was and like obviously gives you more of an impression of how he was. Yeah. And, it's kind of like less, there's less ambiguity in a way, mm. in, a, in a sense. Yeah, which we'll get onto when we go to the remake because I've got things to say about that. Yeah. Um, but for now. Um, but just to add, Linda Wolverton, oh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. Maleficent, Lion King. Oh, she's got quite the. Homeward quite the Bound. It's interesting. It's interesting that she's involved with the Alice in Wonderland and Maleficent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of remakes. So that'll be ones that we'll be covering soon. So she might crop up Indeed. again and again. Yes, she will. Um, okay, so the film itself, plot-wise, I'm assuming most people have seen Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I'd hope hopefully. so. Um, are there any more production uh, jazz that you you wanna you wanna know? Uh, no, not really. I mean, props to the cap system. 
Um, yeah, I can't remember the guy's taste. name. I'm really annoyed that I can't remember the guy's name in that article, but he did a pretty good job if on If we that. find it, we'll put it up on our Twitter page. Yeah, and um, it was the only film, apart from Up in 2010, it was the only film to be nominated for a Best Oscar nomination. Really? That's interesting. That's something I didn't look up. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Which was, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it was, the, it, was, it was, obviously, it was in the, I think it was in the 92 one. Yeah. And then uh, Up was in 2010. Mm. So that's a long, long time to be held, like, that's pretty good going for a film to be that long. Yeah, and is that like Best Picture now? Yeah, yeah, Best yeah, Picture nomination. Because yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, like, Disney gets nominated for Best Animation. Oh, yeah, yeah, all the time. yeah but it's no Best Picture nomination. I, I think it's it's worthy for that. What what I liked about it, um, and it's something that I will uh, critique about the remake, is that this is so short. Yeah. It's just in there, Snappy. just quick. It's got some scares, it's got some laughs, it's got some music. Yep. Bam, 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 done. Out. Easy. Like an hour and a half tops, and a, a lot of the sort of classic Disney films were that to to a T sort of thing. They just roomed by. Josh is adjusting his mic. Sorry about that. It's, it's okay. um, my back is really like. You're right. Feel do you want to rejiggle yourself? Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pull it up here. Yeah. Put it down a bit. There you go. Try another pillow. Step. Look at oh look at this oh there you go. Is that better? Easy. Yeah. Better. There we go. Right. You're looking comfy now. Can't Josh. believe all the. Yeah, sorry. Go, go, go on. Well, I was just saying it was it was short. It was sweet. Yeah, snappy. And that's to the it. point. I think. I think we'll get on to it. Okay. I'll tell you what. Let's just get on to the remake because Do you people want to talk know about that the, the, the rough story is in in the original that Belle's obviously a local girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not like anybody in town. From a provincial town. Yep. Uh, she's basically a bookworm. She's yeah. not like anybody in the town. Her dad's an inventor. Um, yeah, dad's an inventor. He goes to an inventing fair. On the way, he gets lost. Hmm. Um, this horse, Philippe. Oh, well, and, who is uh, my second favourite character. Yeah. <laughs> he's amazing. Hmm. It's just his face when he's like, oh, we'll go down there, boy. And he's like, no. Philippe is great. Please don't do this. Even um, in the remake, Philippe is just one of the best <laughs> yeah. people. Um, although he hasn't really got... He's an actual horse in the remake. He's not yeah, really got yeah. a personality. Yeah, um, face. So, yeah, so then he gets trapped. Well, he, he gets uh, lost in the woods. Uh, he ends up at the castle of the beast. Um, the beast is basically a prince that's been cursed. Right, with... can I just talk about this for a hot second? Yeah. Prince, cursed. This is something that the remake tries to address, so that's why I want to bring it up. It does. Um, he's cursed, and he's been cursed for 10 years. Yep. And the curse becomes permanent on his 21st birthday, which yep. means. A little eleven-year-old boy, not yeah. nary a care in the world, yeah. gets cursed by an evil old hag of a woman, yeah. for no reason because he doesn't accept a rose from her. I I was told when I was eleven, don't talk to strangers. This is actually a don't misconception. Don't accept gifts though. from strangers, especially don't accept gifts from strangers who are trying to give you roses. It's a misconception. What's a misconception? He wasn't eleven when he got cursed. Well, Josh, explain it to me then. So, I I read something where basically the filmmakers, they said that in the song, Be Our Guest, mm-hmm. right, he says, 10 years we've been rusting. Yeah, right, he does. Which, which then, impl- then implies he was cursed when he was 11. Yep. But what he means is, they've he's not required his services for 10 years. What, so you're what, talking like pre-transformation. Yeah, what, they, what the filmmakers were saying is that in the song, they were trying to explain that the servants have been this way for a long time, but it's only ten years ago that the beast became really downtrodden in the fact that he'd never find anybody. He right. just said to the rest of them, 
So I go guess away. he used them. Yeah, to, everyone was doing the normal jobs, still doing, you know, they were like being a st- clock, you know, being a clock, being a candlestick. But then the beast was just like, this I is like not that you work. say their jobs as if they have a choice in the matter to be a clock or a candle. Oh, I mean, like doing the jobs like cooking the food and stuff like that and cleaning up. Cogsworth does not cook once. Cogsworth is a nuisance. What is Cogsworth anyway? What he's does he actually clock, do? No, but what's, what's his job when he's he not is, a clock? Well, he says he's the head of the house, I think. Which I don't know what that means. That's but... just bossing around servants, basically. Yeah, but Cogsworth's great. Don't you leave my man Cogsworth out of this. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Cogsworth is my uh, third little... favourite character. If you want me to go for my characters later, Josh, I will do. Little trivia, actually. Go on. Ian McKellen turned down that role. Well, I was going to say, at the beginning of the film, when it's got the voiceover about what happened to him, I thought that was Ian McKellen. No. But it sounds a lot like him. It does sound a lot like him, yeah. But he turned down the role in 1991. God. But Han... And then he came up and... Yeah. How the crumble cookies. Indeed. Um, so yeah, the rest rest of the story is basically the the prince is cursed and he's basically got a rose and he says, you know, if it, if it wilts before your 21st birthday, you're going to be stuck for beast forever. Basically, mm. it's just to teach him the value of, you know, taking people... Deeper from what they what they look. Don't don't take people on face value. See how they like first. That's a nice moral, that Josh. Yeah. Um. So then basically, Belle ends up at the castle because her father's mm-hmm. been imprisoned, and then she, he takes Belle as a captive instead of her father. Yeah. Uh. And then basically they fall in love eventually. Yeah, because he saves her from some wolves and gets like bitten in the process. Yeah, and they, they basically and he, he gets away. injured. They fall in love slowly by, and then she gets Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it's kind of a dark story, this man. Really and you've dark. also got like creepy Gaston in the background. Yeah, who, Gaston's like, amazing though. I'm, I love Gaston. Amazing is one word for it. He arranges a wedding for her, despite not asking her. No, but I mean, to marry him. I'm not saying he's uh, he's deplorable. In yeah, his actions, he's, he's horrible. But, but he's, he's just a great character. Like, yeah, he, he knows great. what he wants. My I mean, favorite, I should say that. Of he course, knows, he, he knows what he wants. No, no, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying like. <laughs> He just is a villain. Like yeah. he just plays the villain. That's it. He's yeah, he good does. as a villain. Uh, my, just... my favorite thing about him is that when literally whenever there's a mirror, he's like checking himself out yeah. in it. It's great. <laughs> and I love Lefou as well. Lefou is yeah, just... Lefou is good. Lefou is brilliant. Um, but yeah, basically, yeah, they fall in love in the end. That, that's the end. Yeah, of the story. And, then, and then Gaston wants to take her back, so it goes to the beast and blah 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 blah. Remake time. Happily ever after. Let's do it. Uh, well, no. Before we go to the remake, Josh, what okay. do you think of the original? On the rewatch, amazing. It's yeah. always going to be amazing. I've seen it many, many times. Yeah. Um. I don't think you'll ever get. Yeah, like you said, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any other Disney film that's that magical. Yeah, I think that's the Apart best. From, best way to put it. I'll give it. I'll. I'll give props. I don't like it, but Frozen. Yeah, it's well, very magical. Frozen's interesting, and Frozen's something we'll be talking about in a in a little sec. But yeah, I I, I do agree with that. I think Frozen's going for a very Beauty and the Beast vibe. Yeah, it's just very magical. Like it's the only mm. other film I can think was like. Oh, it just—it feels like oh, yeah, like, yeah, it's magical. Yeah, apart and from other ones, so they're not very magical. So you watched the remake at the cinema? Uh, yes. Was it something you were excited about before it came out? Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, I don't know. I kind of thought like, oh, they shouldn't touch it, but then mm. I kind of saw a trailer and I was like, it'll probably be alright. And I mean, I I'll go and see it anyway because I like Beauty and the Beast. It doesn't matter what form yeah. it comes in. And um, had you no, just... at this point had you seen any of the other? live action Disney remakes that Disney have been pushing recently no because I think I hadn't seen Sleeping Beauty sorry not Sleeping Beauty I, didn't, I hadn't seen Cinderella and I hadn't seen Cinderella Maleficent. came out after this thing no no Cinderella. I think it came out before yeah. sure? it was like one of the first yeah or oh, Maleficent was one of the first Maleficent was definitely one of the first and then Cinderella came out 2010 2010 yeah are you sure oh we'll have to check this aren't we <laughs> 
I know that Alice in Wonderland was one of the really early ones. But yeah, that might was have kind been of 20, a, 2010, actually. That was a different vibe because that was um, Tim Burton, so it was very, like, auto-led. Um, and then you had Maleficent, which I think came out in, like, 2014. Yeah, tw- uh, 2015 for Cinderella. Ah, okay, so just, just after Maleficent. Yeah. You had, and then one of the things I wanted to mention is you always also had Snow White and the Huntsman, yeah. which isn't Disney. It's, Disney. No. it's Universal. But, but is in that vein... Um, and just from uh, so, so that we can sort of get started on on the new one, the production history uh, for this is very influenced by those films. So Disney saw the success of Snow White and the Huntsman, and that was one of the reasons it wanted to remake Beauty and the Beast, but it wanted to do it in a Snow White and the Huntsman way. Yeah. So it wanted to get rid of the songs. It wanted to um, make it a bit darker. Yeah bring out that like the wolf scenes the beast being beastly Gaston being like deplorable yeah. good word that you used Great word. Um, and so that was sort of the inception of this film um, and it was greenlit off the back of Maleficent's success yeah so Maleficent made have you ever seen it I've never seen it I've never seen I've not seen Snow White and the Huntsman which um, my granddad uh, who is a massive film fan um, he uh, really liked Snow White and the Huntsman don't know okay. if it's a good film or not. Mm, I, don't, I don't like Kristen Stewart, so... No, that's fair Probably enough. not for me. Um, I've not seen Cinderella. Uh, I have watched Alice in Wonderland, but again, I think that is slightly off the beaten track when yeah. it comes to these Disney remakes, because that was... Alice it, in Wonderland's one of the things where it's not kind of... Yeah. I mean, it was a Disney film, but it's not a Disney film. Yeah. It's just they did a version of it. Yeah, so it's it's a weird one, that. But yeah, apart from that, this, this watching this uh, yesterday was the first time I'd seen this... Yeah. And I had absolutely no interest in it prior to this. What well, this this this, this remake? Beast. I yeah. just didn't care about it. Totally passed me by. Just uh, Beauty and the Beast, like I said, wasn't like my my thing. So yeah, so you weren't exactly excited. Yeah, I wasn't. Whereas, like, so Aladdin that's uh, going to be remade soon. Great. Yeah. Um, I have a strong feeling about it. That feeling is this is a terrible idea. But at least I care about it. With this, I just didn't care. It just passed me by. Yeah, fair point. Uh, so this uh, was directed by Bill Condon. Condon, quite a. There you go. Huh? Close, close to Condon. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> as soon as you said Condon, I just thought Condon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he directed Dreamgirls, and he also directed two of the. I think the last That's two so Twilight. Weird. I don't even know that. Yeah. So Odd. he's he's not someone that I really knew of or. Yeah. This second point as well. The second point is very weird. So this is this is something I wanted to bring up because it's interesting in in that it has a bit of crossover. So it was written by Stephen. Now this is a very difficult name to say. Stephen Chuboski. Chuboski. I've never seen that many like consonants in a row at the beginning of someone's name. They've got a nightmare on countdown that one. Yeah. Now Stephen Chuboski wrote the perks of being a wallflower, the novel, not the film. He wrote the novel of Perks of Being a Wallflower. That's the bizarre thing. Like you would have thought yeah. he'd be the screenwriter of the film. But am I right in thinking that the film of Perks of Being a Wallflower has Emma Watson in? It does. So there's a weird little connection connection between that uh, there. Now um, Stephen Chbosky goes on after this to direct the film Wonder. I don't know if you watched that yeah, with Owen I've Wilson seen it, but I know last year. So he's had a bit of a weird one: novels, screenwriter, director. Strange. So, I mean, he, he did a decent enough job with the adaptation, but something I want to say up front is, 
God, this film is long. <laughs> Jesus We should get that rail again. Why is this film is long? long? There was no reason for it to be as long I've as got, it was. I've got to say, the second watching of it, I mean, I hadn't seen it since the cinema, so I watched it in 2017 in the mm. cinema. So long. And my girlfriend had a bad back at the time. She felt it. She was just in there, like, crying. She was like, literally, this film is so long. I can't yeah. deal with it. I was like, honestly, if you want to go, let's go, because I'm not really enjoying it anyway. But then, like, the second watching of it... Did you enjoy it a bit more? Yeah. I kind of felt like, because I think because that was going on at the side, and I was kind of worried for her, because I didn't want a bit to be in pain or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. I kind of just watched it on my own, and I, I kind of I kind of enjoyed it. Like, I, I, I kind of saw it in a new light, almost. Mm. And I didn't think it was too long, because the, the bit where it gets long for me is where the Beast sings that Evermore song. Yeah. And I actually kind of like that song. So I kind of... At that point, again, I was watching it. I was thinking, I actually kind of like this song, so it's not as long anymore. Right. Well, I was watching it. So for me, I had been to a beer festival the day before <laughs> and was slightly uh, worse for wear yeah. uh, when I was watching this. I watched it at like 11 in the morning in bed after I'd had like some leftover pizza, yeah. uh, which is not the... Probably not, not the, the um, yeah, probably not the best time in the world to watch Beauty and the Beast, um, but yeah, it just I just felt like it dragged on so much. It does drag on, and the original so fun and tight and light and good. And I think this is just, the um, yeah. this is the problem with uh, remakes trying to uh, flesh out stuff. Yeah. Also, what what's the point? You don't need to. Yeah, you can't. Nobody was wondering any of the things that this film tried to answer. No, not really. It all sort of smacked to me of. I'm um, gonna say exactly what you're gonna say. Do you know what I'm gonna say? Yep. Uh, Solo. Was that what you thought I was gonna say? No, I thought you were gonna pinpoint in the film where you. No, no, no. What What I was gonna say is it smacks to me of in Solo, the the Star Wars Star Wars story. Yeah. Is that is that how we call it? Get it right. Um, (laughs) in Solo where. They've got that little inter- like exchange between the door Han. guy, where he's like, Han, I've got oh, a yeah. family member. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll put Han who's solo. Your, who's your people? It, yeah, who's your people? Um, and everyone just kind of groans in the audience. And that's what a lot of this film like said to me, is that oh, yeah. people have obviously been wondering <laughs> yeah. what the prince was doing of, beforehand. I kind of, um, I, I do love Solo. I, can understand. I like so. Like, yeah, I, but I like can understand so. the frustration. Like, I just, it, that didn't really bother me too much because it's kind of like it was kind of done in a not kind of cheesy way. It was like it was I'm done. Not, yeah. It was done well, but I kind of understand why people go. Nah. I'm not saying it bothered me. I'm just saying no, but I yeah. it was unnecessary, yes. and I feel like so much of this that was added to it was just unnecessary stuff for the purpose of people watching it going. Oh, so that's why that happened. Yeah, true. All the mother stuff. It's yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's the the mother stuff doesn't actually bother me because it kind of gives Belle like a little bit of a nice backstory because mm. it's kind of touching. It's like oh, yeah, fair enough. She never met a mum. Yeah, that. it's quite but, sad. It's quite yeah. It's dark. Like I said, I think yeah, that's yeah. probably one of the darkest bits. But I think the I think the problem where you've got is where you find out about the prince and his dad. Yeah, that's the that's the bit where it gets bogged down because you're like well. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything. Like that that's it's like almost trying to justify the reason he's an is isn't isn't an arsehole really. Yeah. But it's like you can be you know, people it happens to people anyway. Like if you if you're full up if you're filthy rich, sometimes you lose sight of things. 
That's Josh, a- sometimes you come out with like some wonderful little nuggets of philosophy doing this podcast, and I don't know if you know you're doing it. I don't know if I'm doing it, but you're right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that, no, does that make I, sense? I, I totally get. Like what you if you've you got a lot of money, some people lose sight of like things that actually matter. <laughs> but if you watch the original, you think <laughs> something we can put on a t-shirt. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watch the original, you think, well, yeah. that's why. Yeah, he's just he's just a bit like he's a rich, he's a prince, he's got. You know, servants here and there. I didn't think like, you were going to say this. prince then. I was quite worried about what no, you were no. going to say. It's a bit of a... Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, Ow, my finger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like, you're just filling the gaps. Like, that's smart storytelling. Yeah, like, exactly. Whenever Chris Nolan does a film. That is my point. Filling the gaps. Yeah, well, I mean, Chris Nolan's not the best example here because Interstellar is a horrific piece of trash that... Inception. Filling the gaps. Deserves to die in a fire. But anyway... Um, yeah, uh, that's my problem with it, is that the things that it tried to answer it didn't need answering, and yeah. the fact that the original didn't have those things in made the film a stronger film. Yeah. So they're, that, they're my two biggest yeah. biggest qualms. Anyway, there, there is the some cast. There is some nice nice changes, though. Well, only one change. It's a nice change. Uh, the fact that um, Bell is an inventor. You mean Maurice? No, no. You mean Bell? New film, Bell is an inventor. I mean, why? What did she invent? Because she comes, she comes into her father's workshop, and her father's like, "Ooh, oh!" And she's I need a bit of this stuff. thing, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess." So you need this, and then she... it, it gives her like, um, you know, she's she's smart, she's yeah, intelligent, she's smart, and, and, I, and she's, I know she's that... her own person, which yeah. is kind of it's still in the original film, but it's just a nice little touch to think like, you know, it's, she it gives her a little bit more. She's capable of doing the stuff that yeah. her male counterparts do. That's the thing. Yeah, which I is agree. Nice. That's so, a nice touch. Bell, you've got Emma Watson. Yes. She was first choice. They didn't really consider anyone else. Yeah, because they actually were gonna. They were due to make a one at Warner Brothers with her. Right. Okay. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, that would have been way. Oh, but, but oh no, that's not who I was thinking of. George R. R. Martin did the TV series, didn't he? Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Back in the day. Yeah. So that's who you thought. That's who I thought you were gonna yeah, say. No, George no, R. R. Um, was Guillermo del was, was supposed to direct her in a Warner Brothers. Film. Did you see um, the scary stories to tell in the dark? Yeah. Teaser. Yeah. Teasers. It was Teasers. interesting, wasn't it? Have you ever read the book? I've, I've not. No. I've but got I, it on the I shelf can't. over there. Have you? Yeah, I've 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 um I've read it a few times. It's, it's for kids, like it's aimed at kids, but the artwork in it is. No, it was interesting looking horrific. up after I saw the. Um, I will. I'll, if I can find it on my shelf, I'll take it out for you. It's on. It's on one of them. Yeah, nice. On one of my many bookshelves. Yeah, because I wanted to. Uh... I went to read it actually after I saw the actual trailer. I thought, oh, it looks like quite. I've yeah. never actually heard of the book, but I'd be quite interested in, in reading it. Oh, well, I'm a big horror fan, so mm. when I when I knew that that was a book, it, it was one of those things that was always spoken about online as giving kids nightmares. So I thought, oh, that sounds right up my street. It's not, the, not the microphone, my head, head's it. Sorry, mate, don't worry. Uh, yeah, but it looks pretty good actually. Yeah, um, you've got Big Dan Stevens. As the Beast. As the Beast. Now, I like Dan Stevens. I thought this was uh, quite unusual casting for him when it was announced, because I remember keeping up with the casting rumours and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I was actually quite happy about it, because I like Dan Stevens. I've yeah, I think he's very, he is very Prince-like. I, yeah, think. I have a problem with him. What, you probably, you just said you liked him. No, I love him. I love Dan that? Stevens, and I love him as the Beast. I have a problem with him as the Prince. It's that okay. pissing hair. Yeah, And I'm going to swear there, because... The hair's I don't, I don't not great. What's that, 49? It, the, the hair is awful. yeah. But that, I don't think that was his... He had no say in that, I don't think. Well, no, he didn't, but like they kind of put him in some actual natural hair. Yeah. That looks decent. I mean, he does a great job as the Beast, though. He's a handsome boy. He is. He's very good. But I, I kind of knew he'd do a good job, because if you've ever seen him in The Guest... Yeah, I love The Guest. That's, that's... Guest only came out just before this, really, didn't it? it took no, no, 2014. Yeah, well, that's one year before. Oh, no, it's three years Three years. Yeah, um, yeah I, guess, I guess you're right. Um... 
yeah, I, I loved him in the guest. I, I mean, I like Legion. Legion is yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, in this, um, I had a little look at how he sort of played the Beast. Yeah. He was sort of dressed up in this massive 40-pound grey suit on stilts. stilts. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like more of a classic um, like CGI job. Yeah. From what I read, Josh is normally the CGI guy, so if there's anything interesting, I'm sure Josh. Well, it was it was it was just motion capture on set because I think uh, with I think with the the advancement of um, you know uh, Planet of the Apes, yeah, yeah, War for the Planet of the Apes, the third one. I think with the enhancement of like bringing mocap on sets, yeah, I think they achieved. That's how they achieved it. They kind of put dots all over him and they they filmed it and then. CGI'd over it later, but they used the dots as references. Yeah, and they, they did the facial capture differently as well. They captured that later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone else was just on C- pure CGI. Like yeah, they all just did the voiceovers. Yeah. But this cast, I will say, is absolutely stacked. So you've got uh, Luke Evans as Gaston. Great casting, I thought. Yeah. Luke Evans is brilliant as yeah. Gaston. Luke Evans looks exactly like Gaston. He does, yeah. He does a great job with it. Um, he's the best part of the film. The yeah, best. I think he's probably up there. Uh, Luke Evans, who we'll eventually talk about uh, for Dracula Untold, <laughs> yeah. which I'm very excited about. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, you've got Josh Gad um, as uh, LeFou. Another perfect cast. Yeah, which I, I was so surprised at how similar he looked to yeah. LeFou in the cartoon. And it sounds it unbelievable. as well. Sounds a lot like him. Obviously, Josh Gad was running on a high and is, is a bit of a Disney poster boy at the moment after yeah. Frozen. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I start talking about the uh, production history a little bit more, uh, in a second, I'll go over why Frozen is so sort of important for this. Uh, you've got Kevin Klein as Maurice again. Yeah, I think he does a good job with it. I think all the actors do a, a decent enough job with it. I just realised we didn't actually go through the original cast of the original. Yeah, well, I didn't know any of them, Josh. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> is there anyone? Is there anyone of note? Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury, That's I guess. It. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Josh. That anyway, the cast <laughs> of the original. Well, let's just move on. Um, so you've got Kevin Klein as Maurice who I think is uh, really good I like that in this he's less of an inventor and more of like an artist he like yeah. creates these little figurine type things mm-hmm. which is quite cool uh, you've got Ewan you, you McGregor as Lydia the most baffling casting <laughs> of the entire film it's because his wife's French yeah, yeah and apparently he took like he French a... lessons from his wife he and his wife an thought accent. he sounded more Mexican or something yeah so yeah he he re-recorded a lot of his lines after the film. Yeah, he did because he, he sang that song and he was just like, it was just sound yeah. like Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, weird. It's not Mexican, he's French. He's yeah. a French character <laughs> set in France. Yep. Uh, you got Stanley Tucci as the uh, maestro. I love a little touch of the Tucci. A little, 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 just a little touch of the Tucci. Yeah, he's good. Um, that's a new character for this film, maestro, yep. the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, the little characters they had are quite decent. You've got Audrey McDonald as the wardrobe, um, and the wardrobe and Maestro have a bit of a relationship going on. A lot of these Lala. characters have new relationships that have just been added for this film. Yeah, they kind of have a lot of connections between, like, you know, wife and yeah, husband and wife and stuff. You got Gugu Mbatha-Raw. Love Gugu Mbatha-Raw. I do. Uh, I do as Plumet. And then you've got the uh, the good old Wiv, Ian McKellen, as Cogsworth. Mm-hmm. And the And... Emma Thompson as Mrs. Potts. Yep. Now, I've put, on the notes, I've put not good next to uh, Mrs. Potts. Uh, that's not because I thought Emma Thompson did a bad job. It's because I think that of all the character designs, that is by far the worst character it's awful. design. It is shocking. Now, one of the biggest critiques, I was having a look at the reception to this film when it came out, one of the biggest critiques was for the character design for all of the... Yeah, they're pretty awful, objects. all of them, really. 
pretty much every one of them. Even Lumiere, I don't think, is great. Cogsworth is okay. But for the most part... It's like they've also... I think the problem is because they've lost a lot of expression because they've tried to make their um, their facial features like almost like too realistic with yeah. pieces of the actual clock. And it's like, well, if you just just scrap all that and just go for actual... Like, yeah, craziness. make it a little bit more... They, I think they tried to make them too realistic yeah, yeah, without thinking how that would look once you had the facial yeah. postures to it. Because Mrs. Potts is the most sort of egregious example of it, where she's got like the face printed on the side of the teapot instead of like yeah, the original, well. where the nose is the spout, and it just was so much more organic and natural. So yeah, not good. Uh, little little tidbit: Stephen Merchant was originally cast as a toilet, <laughs> and filmed scenes as a as a human who was turned into a toilet. That's weird. But his scenes were cut from the film, and the, they are deleted scenes. I don't know if you've watched them on the blue. No, 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 see them. No. So there you go. Um, film starts off. You've not got the classic Disney castle with the thing flying over yeah, it. It's the Beast Castle. You've got the Beast Castle. It's nice, that, actually. I like that. I, I thought, oh, I might be, might, be, might be in with a winner here, is what I thought when I yeah. first started watching it. That's the problem, though, that, that first trailer. Do you remember the teaser trailer for it? No, you know what? I don't remember the teaser. Was it like, the just trailer castle? was amazing. Was it just the castle? Yeah, it was the castle. And then, with like, the it, music? Yeah, it, had like a, it was like a piano... It's like kind of like, and then it said, "Be my guest at the end." And yeah, it'll but be it was like, it was like literally like a tour of the castle, and yeah. then like it had all like the at the rose and the glass and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, just things like that. It was just, it was really nice, but then like, yeah, it's not really what they give at the end was not really a reflection of that. Um, so on to the production side of things, uh, Maleficent made a ton of money. It made seven hundred and fifty million dollars, uh, which is a lot. Uh, so Disney wanted to double down on making another live action remake. Uh, they wanted to do it a bit jazzier like Snow White like I mentioned before uh-huh. but due to A the success of Frozen which had sort of reinvigorated people's interests in musicals and particularly Disney musicals yeah. along with Bill Condon saying he would not do it if it wasn't going to be a musical in fact I think I've got one of the quotes here um, he said uh, what's the point in doing the film if you're not going to have Be My Guest in it yeah that's a good point which is an excellent point Fantastic. Um, he said the songs were um, like a competitive advantage because I think they were also worried, like Josh mentioned there, that other people were going to start making other yeah, well, and the Beast films. Well, Warner Brothers were basically moving on. Yeah, they, but they, I think they... Disney had the rights to all the songs. Yeah. So they were the only ones who could have done it with the songs. So yeah. why not do it? No, no. And I think that's probably the smartest decision that they made. Yeah. Because um, the songs in this, I I really enjoyed them, apart from being my guest. I thought was not great. That's Ewan McGregor's not, fault, mate. It's not great. Mainly. I think I think the scene itself is decent. Yeah, it looks amazing. Looks really good. Um, but it's not delivered very well. Not, yeah, and it's all about the delivery, Josh. It's all about the delivery. Um, yeah, but one one thing when the film starts uh, and Belle is sort of heading home to uh, visit uh, Maurice and and you've got uh, the scene that Josh mentioned where she was helping him with the inventions. On the table is a little um, model elephant. And it's the elephant from Aladdin because it has the palace on top of it, ah. which is quite a li- neat little nod. And I think there's a few nods throughout the film to other, A, other Disney films and B, other musicals. Because I know that during Be My Guest, there's a bit where um, Lumiere strikes one of the poses from Cell Block Tango oh, okay. uh, from Chicago. Now, Chicago is one of my favorite musicals. so It's pretty decent. I, uh, yeah, I liked that. It was a nice little nod. Um, but yeah, let's, let, I guess, 
let's go into how the plot changes from the original. Yeah. Uh, well, you can, yeah. You yeah. Can so it, it start the very first part of this film is um, the prince is passed. So he's at this massive gala with a lot of um, sort of his his friends and family and all that all that jazz, and the um, evil evil witch. She's not an evil witch, is she? She's Just more. A crow. Of a, yeah, this crown comes in and offers him a rose, and he laughs at her. And it's like, very maniacal laugh. Yeah, what it's it's Dan Stevens gives out. Um, and <laughs> And uh, she curses him. Yeah, she does. Um, and curses every. She only curses. This is where the film tries to like retcon some of the things from the Disney film. Yeah. She only curses the people who followed him, or were like his servants, lo- loyal basically. people to him. Yeah, like the some people of them just work at the castle. Like Ian McKellen's character, I don't think he's like a servant. I think he's just a, a loyal person to him. There's a lot of like weird, pseudo political stuff in this film about like the war and all that jazz. I don't know if oh, you okay. noticed this. So instead no. of Gaston just being a bloke who's just roaming about looking for wives, um, he is someone who's come back from a war, and now there's there's nothing oh, yeah, to do. Oh yeah, they ride back in, don't they? They go, oh yes, this town, I've missed it. Like, yeah, exactly. So he, part of his character is how post-war he's not got much to do anymore. So that's why he starts yeah. looking for a wife for himself. So anyway, it's kind of. They thought about it too much, haven't they? Yeah, they have, that, that's trying the to ground it problem. in reality. It's just They've thought about it too much. Too much. Um, it's fantasy, just get on with it. Most of the film plays out the same way, apart from the Beast now, some for some reason, has a magical map. Well, that was in the original uh, plot for Beauty and the Beast. The, right. the original animated film, I think there was supposed to be a scene in there that was, was due to be made, but obviously because time constraints probably... Yeah, it was just yeah, it was just cut out. So this magical map can take can take you wherever you want to go. Yeah, but you can't obviously actually go there. It's yeah, kind of like a just shows you it. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of a it's kind of a cruel gag because he can never go there. Yeah, because he's a beast. So uh, at a certain part in the film, he offers this map to Belle, and they go and visit her mother, who is has got the plate. Well, yeah, they they visit the the, mom, the mother's house in Paris. She's, she's dead. Yeah, she's gone. Pretty sad. Pretty sad stuff, mate. Yeah. Is she a plague? Yeah, she had the, the plague of all things. The plague. The actual plague. Yeah. Um, um, but I think that's... Is that roughly how much has changed? I mean, you hear a lot of the backstory of the prince and stuff like that with his father. I guess the, the other bit that's been changed is that at the end, when everyone transforms back into their like human counterparts, yes. you find out some of the relationships between the people. So Yeah, but it's all a bit like... Uh, it's yeah. really shoehorned in. Like Cogsworth has got some wide. It's really fake at the end as well, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, how fake does it look? It looks like it's just done on CGI background, like. And then, oh, when Hugh McGregor comes back, it's like. Hugh oh. McGregor is is one of the worst parts of his film. Like he's, he's like one of the worst actors ever, but he's good as Obi Wan, <laughs> and and, and he's, he's like untouchable because he's just he plays it so well. He like I just love him, but I've seen him in a couple of bits where I thought he was decent, but for yes. the most part. Yeah, he's yeah, not really miscasting that miscasting yeah and I mean just tie someone with a French why, accent why, did they, not why did they not here's a question go on Josh why did they not get Jean Dujardin why did they not get Jean Dujardin he, he would have been riding Jean high. Dujardin would have been a perfect Lumiere yeah what a guy absolute lad he can sing he can dance he can do everything yeah, I mean, he's in the artist for God's sake he didn't even say a word in that <laughs> he can still dance yeah don't crazy. About singing in that, that was like my that was my dream casting when the film was announced Jean Dujardin 
John Dujardin. But yeah, I think he would have been good. I mean, I can't think any, of any other French actors off the top of my head, to be honest. But Marion Cotillard. Yeah, he could have uh, gender swapped it. I guess that would have been that would have been an option. No reason not to. Yeah, no. That's... Well, she um, could have been. She could have been like Plumet or. Yeah. You know, Plumet was or... decent. Plumet was. Uh, oh no! Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, like I don't know. Like if you're gonna. If it's going to be in France, like, if it's a real film, yeah. you might just get French actors. I just feel like some of the CGI in this film was so, like, heavy-handed. Yeah, it's a bit naff, isn't it? Yeah, it's e- just even this... the Beast, I thought, was quite... I thought oh, he was I hate decent, the, but I, I hate didn't the like design the design of, of his face. Th- that's the problem, like, the face just lost all kind of credibility, because it wasn't, like... They tried to put so his eyes better. on it, which I get, because you, you kind of got the eyes in the original where they're quite, like, blue and Yeah, human. yeah. Yeah. So I get why they did it, but when you it's when you're mouth. dealing with CGI, it just doesn't. Yeah, his mouth's not great either. In the, in the cartoon, or in the sorry, in the, in the animation, it's um, the design of the beast just looks amazing. Like he's, yeah, and he's, he looks quite know, scary and yeah, he's scary and, and he's he's you know at some points he's like lovable and you yeah. can see the like he's cute and then it's like I don't know, it's just he's lost a lot of that in the new one. Mm. It's just very plain. It's like his face is flat. Um, but I yeah, anyway, what's your what's your closing thoughts on it? I don't need to give closing thoughts yet, mate. There's a couple of bits more, more I want to talk about. Not far, then. You hold your horses, I thought man. you were finished by now. No, I won't. just want to mention a couple of bits. You... Okay, go on. Because um, you asked me about the changes, and the other big change, go I on. guess, or significant change, is uh, LeFou. Yes. LeFou himself. Uh, now, I will say, song-wise, um, they alter the lyrics for some of the songs, and they the Gaston did. song is one of the song, one of the li- one of the songs where they change the lyrics to yes. it. Um, and I quite like the bit where he tries to spell Gaston's name and can't because he's illiterate. I thought that was quite funny. Well, that, that is that is from uh, that's from also from the original film. Yeah, they had they had, a, they had that bit in the song on the original film because I think it was quite. They had a lot of bits in it that were quite adult and risque. I mean, and it I was they, quite an adult song. Guys. Yeah, <laughs> and I think they pulled it out for the animation, and then in the. Broadway musical that came out, they yeah. put it back in, and then I think for the remake they put it back in as well. Interesting. Now I had no idea about this Broadway musical, but I kept reading it when I was doing some research for this. Yeah. I'm assuming there must be like video footage of it somewhere. I wonder if I'm checking it out. Yeah. yeah. Who, who did actually. it? Was it Tim Rice who did? Yeah, I believe so. The musical. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Anyway, LeFou has a very complicated relationship with Gaston in this film. Um. <laughs> it's like. It's something nice. that's hinted at in the original, but yeah. in this, they make a lot more explicit that he's got like feelings for Gaston. And it is amazing because it's obviously, it's massively true in the in the animation anyway. Yeah, you can tell. It's just like it's just yeah. a nice little touch in it to bring. Yeah, it into sort and then of at the day. end when he sort of realizes what what a terrible man Gaston is, he like <laughs> yeah. switches sides and starts fighting. And also with, with those three, you know, the three guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like henchmen who, oh, get, yeah. who get wrapped up in women's clothes at the end and. Like, two of them hate him, and then the other one's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. go on then. <laughs> and it, but oh, I think at the very end of the film as well, LeFou is dancing with a guy, which is quite nice. Mm. It's quite a cute little... Yeah, no, it's, it's, not... it's really... It's, it's kind of... It's quite refreshing. It is refreshing, but it also, because it, even though it's set in the past, it brings it to modern day, which is obviously what they're trying to do. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of it's it nice saying touch. how they wanted to modernise it. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the wolves, the design on them. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, they look pretty bad. Yeah. It's yeah. just... There's just so many little bits in it where I just thought... I'd rather be watching the animated film. Then. Yeah, I know. The wolves in the animated film are quite like vicious and scary, mm-hmm. which is fine. But yeah, no, CGI is not too great. Like I said, the acting, on the whole, is pretty decent. Like the voice acting is decent. Yeah. Emma Watson. I guess we should talk a little bit about her. Well, what did you think of her as Belle? Yeah, she's all right. 
She's a little bit boring in it. I think yeah, her singing's quite good. I was surprised at her. Singing yeah, she's really good at singing. Actually. I was quite, I was quite surprised as yeah. well. All of them are pretty good at singing. Um, yeah. I think they they had to get the audition. They had to they had to sing, and I think, um, I think Bill Condon, he got them to sing. Um, just can't wait to be king from Lion King. Oh yeah, and he did that as an audition. That's quite. Good. He said basically, you need to sing that, and if you don't sing it well, you're not getting the part. Because like that was the kind of exceptional song that he wanted. Him, but yeah. The kind of level he wanted him all up. Yeah, she's quite boring. I'll give you that. Yeah, she's just. I don't know. I'd I feel don't like, like her thingy either. I I think with it being live action, it loses quite a lot of the character of Belle. I know yeah. you said that it adds to it with the inventor stuff, and I guess that's true to an extent. It does. Imp- no, well, that's that's character development in a yeah, way. Yeah, for it's the not... most part, she's quite. She's not given a lot to do. Like she just kind of yeah. is passed from pillar to post, and mm-hmm. that's it, I guess. Yeah. I don't so, like. Um, I didn't like Emma Emma Thompson as Mrs. Potts. You didn't like it. She was all right, I thought, but she. She's all right, but Angela Lansbury's got something about her voice that's yeah. like really, just like. I don't know. It makes you feel warm a little bit. Yeah, I it's agree. a bit strange. Like obviously, I think I feel like Emma Thompson was kind of forcing it, forcing that kind of London accent. Yeah, she like it. It feels quite homely when Angela Lansbury does it. It's quite yeah. like mumsy and stuff. Whereas this yeah, is a little bit more. Yeah, Emma Thompson. I mean, I love Emma Thompson. She's great and everything. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of. It felt a bit forced, and I think the song didn't really hit. No, there's I nothing like. The Gaston song was great. Yeah, I thought, and I really liked the choreography for the Gaston song. Yeah. And the hello song at the beginning. I don't actually know what the hello song is called, but the hello song at the bon, beginning. Is it, no, it's not bonjour. It might be something like that. That was great, and again, that was down to the choreography. I thought. Yeah, yeah. That whole. I was trying to think of what the <laughs> name of it was. Yeah, that whole um, the whole village section, especially when they all like, when it kind of accumulates at the end, and it's that big. Yeah. Oh, no like, sheep though. Where the sheep are, Josh? Uh, pff, couldn't tell you, mate. <sighs> no They're away at market. Yeah. Because of the war. The war's taking what? everything from everyone. Just adding water makes it so much darker. Than <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's all we need to say. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit... Are you ready? Yeah, go on. I'm, oh, have you got the game? IMDb. Oh my God, Josh. It's the IMDb trivia quiz with Josh and James. That was the best theme song you've done. Thanks, man. Bit overboard, like, wasn't it? No, I liked it. Are you ready? Yeah, go on, hit me. So, we've got four, Woo! four of Changing them today. The rules because we're not doing. I'm not doing separate ones for the old one and the new one. Right, it's okay. just a mixture. Fine, it's even harder. Yeah, you're making these this challenging Intermediate now. level. I'm not really used to being on the receiving end of this quiz, so I'm I'm, I'm relatively nervous about it. Well, normally I do the question. Yeah, true that. Are you ready? Yeah, go on, hit me. Question one. Go on. The but I'm not even know why I'm, it doesn't matter anyway. The ballroom dance between Belle and the Beast hmm. is the original, or uh, in the original, was created using the same animatics from Sleeping Beauty. Ooh. That's one. Yeah. Number two. Emma Watson demanded to wear a corset for the remake in order to get into character. Hmm. Number three. Emma Watson was originally tied... To a Warner Brothers version of Beauty and the... I've, I've messed it up. Hmm, With I Guillermo wonder. del Toro to, to direct. <laughs> Unless you... You could have played the long game here, John. You could have been feeding me a lie from I the forgot, I forgot that I put, I put it on there. <laughs> Number four. 
Jackie Chan performed the voice acting and singing for the Beast in the Chinese dubbed version of the film. Oh, I hope that's true. So, so just to be clear, one of these is a lie. Yeah, it's a barefaced lie. Mm. And you've already, you've already got one out of the way. I already know that one of them's the truth. Yeah. Uh, I've got a feeling. Hmm. I've got a feeling it's the Emma Watson wearing a corset one. Yeah. Was it? Was it that one? Yeah, it's that one. Oh hell yeah! Jackie Chan actually performed. I didn't know the about Jackie Chan, but it just sounded like something he would do. Yeah, yeah, it's just like one of those things. It was kind of hard to find a live. No, I liked it, and I guess like I always knew that Disney were cheapskates, so I knew that they'd reuse the animatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's because of the production schedule; they just yeah. ran out of time, basically. Um, but the the Emma Watson one is is a faker one because she rejected, she flat down refused to wear one. Interesting. They they asked her they asked her to wear one because and she obviously. Said no. A period piece, but she was like, no. She made up. a lot of money for this film. She did three million dollars yeah, straight up. I, I think she was paid more than that as well. Yeah, she she had the option to get up to fifteen million. I yeah, think. She, she got th- she got paid three million for signing on, and then got like seventeen mil because the film did so well. This film, I don't know if it's still true, but when it was released, was the tenth highest grossing film of all time. Yeah, which is bananas because it's because it's crap. It's, it's not crap, yeah. but it's pretty poor. Well, it just makes me think how well... What What could I do? <laughs> what could I do to make that kind of money? No, it makes me think how well is the Lion King one going to do? Oh, that's going to be like number one. I, I don't know if it'll be number one. I think it'll be in the top three. Yeah, but yeah, it's got, it's got number Beyonce one's hard to Number one's hard to smash, though. Yeah, it's got Beyonce. I think What's number one again? It's, uh, it's the Avatar. Titanic, I think. Oh, it's the Titanic. I thought it was yeah. Avatar. Oh, no, it might be Avatar. I think it's Avatar. I can't remember. Because I know Titanic is still really high up there adjusted yeah. for inflation. But I can't remember. It might be Avatar. Avatar made, was it $2 billion altogether? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something ridiculous. So it's got to, it's got to beat that and it's going to have competition. It's not going to be out on its own. No. Star Wars is out the same year. Yeah. I this don't year. know. I, is Lion King out this year? I think Lion King's out this year. Yeah, it is. Jon Favreau is in its favour. And Beyonce is in its favour. Yeah, and I think the thing is with Beyonce. Well, sorry. It being Lion King is in its favour. Yeah, I think with the Beyonce thing though as well, like even if people aren't into Lion King, they'll probably think, oh, Beyonce film. Beyonce's in it. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. That'll be one to watch that. Mm. Um, I can't wait to cover that because I think it's going to be... It's going to be amazing. Terrible. Really? I think it's going to be awful. Whoa. I genuinely, shout. I genuinely, this is my hot take. This is... Get your, get your soup ready, Josh. This is going to be a hot take. <laughs> Fresh out of the pan for you. Oy. I think it's gonna be a bad film, mate. God, that's a that's a that is a straight up. It looks like you got balls to say that. It man. looks like hot garbage. <laughs> really? If you look at the the trailer, looks amazing. Did it look amazing? Yeah, it did. Did it though? Yeah. After, after all <laughs> we said, it, it, yeah. <laughs> after all we said about Beauty and the Beast and the like lack of characterization no, with it, it's different. It's is different. It? I think it, no, it is because ever since the Jungle Book came out. Jungle Book's alright. I'm sorry, but the the CGI work in the Jungle Book is astounding. But oh the yeah. Thing is, I'm not denying it. It came out in 2016, whereas Beauty and the Beast came out the year after, but it had already been in development during the time yeah. which the Jungle Book. I think if the Jungle Book came out beforehand, and the the standard of animation was that high, and then they started making Beauty and the Beast, I think yeah. you'd see a better Beauty and the Beast film. Uh, right, I've got a question, Josh. Go for it. I don't know if you'd be able to help me with this question. Mm-hmm. Is the reason Disney remade this film to keep hold of the copyright? 
Yeah, probably. That's that's my question. Because normally at the end of these episodes, we ask whether the film should have been remade. And I feel like this time it's going to have to be, inevitably, it had to have been remade. It could have been remade better. Could have had a better reboot to it. Yeah. But it was always going to happen. Yeah, but in a, in, a, in a sense, do you not think that if Disney wanted to keep it so bad, they would have just paid for it? Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember how it works. There's like weird Because the thing is about Beauty and the Beast, that's what I'm saying. It's not really... That version is still Disney's. Yeah. It's just based on a short story. The thing is, anyone can make a, a Beauty and the Beast film because it's not it's not tied to... Disney don't own mm. the rights to the book. But they, they own the rights to the book, but they don't own sole property of it. Yeah. Because there was... Um, it was a film in 2016, I think, and it was a French film. I think I nearly watched that. Yeah, I watched it on Netflix, and it was it's more to the book than the actual right. Disney one. Because I think I saw that was on Netflix, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, Beauty and the Beast on there. I won't have to like, rent it from anywhere. And then it was the wrong film. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> but it's got thingy here, Vincent Casals, the Beast. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. And it's got... Um, what's her name from Spectre? Um, you know Madeline Swan. Yeah, I, don't, I, can't, remember I can't remember her name. She, she's in it as yeah. Isabel, which was quite. It was quite interesting. It's a bit. It's a bit strange. It's like I found the editing quite hmm. like jarring. I was like, well, "What's going on there?" Like, yeah, but it's 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 more to the truth of the book. Do you reckon Del Toro will ever get his uh, his hands on it again? Well, the thing is, I'm getting a bit. I'm getting a bit irritated with Del Toro. To be honest with you. <sighs> Do you want to talk about it? No, not really. I think we should do a Del Toro minisode one day. Okay, we can do that because you're because big, I think uh, no. The only thing I'm very passionate. Uh, the only reason I'm getting a bit irritated with Del Toro is just because like he's got all these like, you know, his fingers in his pies. He's got all these fingers in pies, but there's no pies being made. <laughs> now that needs to go on a teach. And no one trusts. But the thing is, I, th- I don't think it's his po- I don't think it's his fault. It's just no one trusts him with it, like with his projects I don't understand like, yeah, it's, it is it's been shame. consistently on point with everything Hellboy is a shame I mean what Shape of Water was his last uh, yeah and it won picture. Best Picture won Best Picture but he gets nothing from anyone in any in any any I studio think I think he must come to them with these crazy ideas that are really expensive and no one wants to take a punt on it but he'd smash it that's the point I know he, he does prove himself but then at the same time that as much as we love the Hellboy films they didn't do that well like financially yeah, I know that. I understand that. So I think I think it it's more of that track record that they know yeah. he's got these massive budget films and they're not going to get the return on it. Whereas they can give M Night Shyamalan like a million yeah. and he's going to make him like seventy, eighty mil on it. Yeah, it's a fair point. So he's got competition, I think, in that like horror-y genre. But then it's kind of disappointing when you get things like from Del Toro that like I mean, obviously he's very passionate about Pacific Rim. Yeah, but it you know. Yeah, I mean, that was... Compared to his other stuff. The first Pacific Rim is so good, though. But do you know what I mean? It's like... Don't you say a bad word about it. Well, I've not actually seen it. The first one? I've still not seen it. Oh, mate, you are missing out. It's one of my favourite films ever. I'm going to watch it. It's so good. But compared to his other films, I imagine it's not... Do you ever watch that film that you, like, produced about the little fairies? Can't remember what it was called. Sorry? Yeah, I think he produced it. I don't think he directed it. It was about, like, these little, like, two fairy-looking things that were, like, little... Little gobliny creatures. Oh, you mean um, don't uh, don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah, something like that. Do you ever watch that? Any good? No, I've I'd never actually seen it. No. I remember the trailer for it really scaring me, but then. Yeah, well, I've heard I heard it wasn't actually that scary. Hmm. Anyway, 
That was uh, Del Toro. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Del Toro. Del Toro cast. <laughs> uh, what, you know what, Josh? You know what we did, which we said we'd never do? Oh, it is called that. Hey, well done. Yeah, go on. Uh, we forgot to pick the next film that we're covering. Oh, yeah. Which we should do. What do you want to do? Do you want to throw an idea out there? Don't know. Right, thanks, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really stuck on one, to be honest. I've, I've hit a wall of, like, what to do next. Because we can't do a horror. We can't do a horror. Too much horror. I think we do an action. Oh. Oh, what I was thinking. Do you know? Point break? You hit the nail on the head. That's what that is actually what I was gonna suggest you, gonna you say that? Point. Yeah. I have to watch I was talking about it the now. other day. Um I was talking about it with my dad of all, of, of all people who is not a massive film fan. Yeah. Um but he loves the original point break and said the remake is one of the worst films he's ever seen. Yeah, I've heard that as well. And I, I really regret saying it now because I have to watch it. You've made a mistake, Josh. I have to watch it. I'm excited because I like watching really bad films, so I'm hoping Yeah, again it's... I watch I get to watch the original point break. <sighs> which is so good. Which is always a good a good thing. Yeah. Any closing thoughts on Beauty and the Beast? Uh, original amazing. Uh, remake, not so good. Yeah, I think that's about that. Sums it up pretty fair. <laughs> I, mean, pretty, I think we've covered a lot of good points in there. I think there's a lot of good trivia in there and stuff. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll do... Um, we'll be on... You've got two weeks to watch week. Point Break because that's going to be the first... The last couple of films we've week, covered have been films that I think most people have watched. This is going to be an exception because I don't think a lot of people will have watched the remakes Point Break. No, probably not. Oof. Do you want to um, do, do the plugs? Yeah. So uh, you can hit us up on uh, Twitter at the Rebooters. Hell yeah. Uh, we've got plenty of uh, you know little got, got some content. There. Yeah, I got some content on there. Um, we've also just opened up an Instagram. Page. Oh, uh, so fresh can, off the press. Yeah, so you can hit us up there, the Rebooters. Um, you'll be able to find us on Instagram. Very yeah, creatively. I think made. we should start. I think with the Instagram, I think maybe we should start putting little trivia pieces up on there. I'd be up for that. I also think we'll we'll eventually. I reckon we'll do like little stories and stuff on there of like yeah. what we're up to film wise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we need to take a picture of this, don't we? Yeah, but you don't need to say that on the podcast, mate. You're spoiling the magic. That's all right. <laughs> no one's uh, here for any razzle dazzle. They're just here to switch off their brains for a while. <laughs> We're, we're on Facebook at, um, just typing the rebooters we'll, yeah. we'll pop up I mean we're not too great on there sorry about that uh, And but the last thing I wanted to say uh, is review wise we had that little review that I wanted to mention what review? Well, oh the, 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 the American review. review yeah so this we, really nice gentleman who's reviewed us or, or woman I don't know if it, which one's which I don't know either but yeah we. Uh, I'm just going to pull this up now uh, just give me a little a little hot second here. Should have had this ready. Should have had this ready, but I am Disgusting. unprepared. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, great quote, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we had a review uh, from someone in America, so I just wanted to give it a shout out because uh, it was really nice. Um, and it was it was nice to see that we are reaching people around the world. Uh, the review was from uh, Daz Fatburner. Uh, okay. Five stars. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Great podcast for film buffs. Awesome concept. And the hosts, Josh and James, know their movies and have great chemistry. Do you think we've got great chemistry? We do have good chemistry, I think. Uh, And it's recommended for all film buffs. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you, uh, Das Fat Burner. Yeah, thank you very much. Always appreciated, especially across the pond. Yeah. Uh, Our American cousins. Great, great accent, Josh. Great accent. That was terrible. Um, yeah, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks a lot. See you later.